Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And if we sound a little excited today, it's because the Steelers had a huge come-from-behind victory in Week 3 over the Houston Texans' final score, 28-21. to But there's so much more to this game than just the final score, the way that it ended. More points could have been scored by the Steelers. Streaks ending, streaks yeah! continuing. Gentlemen, welcome to the postgame. Brian Anthony Davis, Dave Schofield are with me. Brian, how are you? Woo! I know nothing about Steelers football, and I'm thrilled, <laughs> glad to be wrong. I love it. Dave Schofield, what's up? Oh, sorry, I had to run in here real quick after writing another article. Uh, get, got, hey, job still continues. This That's is right. great. I was about ready to have, I thought I was going to have to get on a flight, although I don't think I, this works this way right now with COVID. I was ready to go to Australia. And find <laughs> Maddie P just so I could smack him in the back of the head when he sends a message out during the game um, about the streak being over. And of course, what happens within five minutes is when you get the Chase Claypool fumble out of bounds. That if it goes one more yard, yep, that's a touchback. <laughs> so, a yeah. So I luckily I didn't have to do that. The streak is over. The good streak continues. Yes. And uh, a lot of stuff to talk about here. <laughs> there is a lot to digest in this game. Indeed, Sean Manahan puts a dollar in the tip jar. We appreciate that, Sean, for the support and everyone that gives us any type of donation. We always thank you very much. I want to make sure that while we have everyone's attention right at the beginning of the show, uh, if you haven't followed us on audio platforms, just do so wherever you get your audio. That's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, um, even Pandora the free Pandora app you can find behind the steel curtains podcast there. Just follow us. So you don't miss a thing. Cause there's so much more than just our YouTube shows, but here we are live on YouTube post game 28, 21. And I said that this game, the score is not really indicative of the actual game itself. Um, a couple notes just to throw that out there. I mean, a lot of people said leading up to this game, there's no way the Steelers are going to be able to get to Deshaun Watson. Like they did to Jeff Driscoll for seven sacks in week two. Five sacks later, and it's a different story. I think it was five sacks, 12 quarterback hits. I'll double-check on those stats in a second when we hit the box score. But ultimately, they sacks. they got to Deshaun Watson when it mattered most. And how about this? They surrendered 21 points in the first half. You heard correctly, zero points in the second half. What a turnaround. I labeled this in my game recap as the tale of two halves because it truly was, especially defensively. Brian Anthony Davis, we'll start with you. What was the biggest change in the defense from the first half to the second half, in your opinion? You know what? I thought the secondary tightened down a whole lot more, and I was thrilled with that, but they never stopped flying around the ball. They never stopped flying uh, past that Texans uh, offensive line, and they were able to get to Deshaun Watson and finish him, which they – I mean, they got to him in the first, the first half, but they couldn't really finish him, and they put the clamps on – where he wasn't comfortable anymore. And the secondary helped with that too. Good points. Dave Schofield, what do you think? Defensive turnaround in the second half was huge. What, what do you, who are you giving credit to? I still don't know. I got to go back and check, check it out. I mean, I, I do think that they did a good job of, of getting the pressure on Watson to make him have not be comfortable. Honestly, do you know what the biggest thing I attributed to? 
why were the Texans still trying to run the ball? Exactly. Yeah. exactly I mean, what in say. the world were they doing? I mean, they were ha- they were having their way with the pass, and they kept, you know, they kept trying to run the ball. And I'm like, if they want to do run two yard loss, run no gain, third and long, and then trust the, you know, even though they were con- converting some of those third and longs, if they think they're just going to do run, run, long, long conversion the whole way down the field, it's not going to work that way. So I attribute some of that to not only, well, of course, the Texans chose to do that, but the Steelers did a fantastic job stopping the run. You took the words right out of my mouth in terms of the, the Texans coaching staff and offensive play calling not doing their offense any favors in this game. The Steelers are not going to be an easy team to run on. It's going to make next week's matchup even more legitimate, in my opinion. We'll talk about that on Thursday and throughout the week. But, guys, I want to ask you this about your confidence level. So the Steelers score. James Conner from 12 yards out plunges into the end zone, gives the Steelers a 28-21. to 21, I'm sorry, 26 to 21 lead. They go for two, get it to Juju 28, 21. They're up a touchdown. How confident were you in the defense? Even though they had stymied the Texans, the entire second half, I kept on thinking about the 50 seconds it took for them to score at the end of the first half. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is setting up for disaster because what did Dave just say? They kept on trying to run the ball. When you're down 28, 21 with not much time on the clock, you're going to be throwing it to get back in. The defense to tell, but Brian, what was your confidence level in the Steelers' defense in that situation? I actually felt really good about it. Of course, I was cautiously optimistic, but you know, I felt good because you know that there's not going to be a surprise with them handing off to David Johnson. You know that they're passing, and they can get back into that defense a little bit more with not worrying about having to be crossed up. But I knew the way they were flying to Watson – I knew the way they were getting to Watson, that they weren't going to have a problem. I felt really good, and you know I didn't feel good about this game for a long time. What about you, Dave? Were you on my side or Brian's side in terms of your confidence level in the defense there at the end? I I really didn't have that much confidence, I have to admit, because it, it just took the one play. It really did. It just took the one play, but – you just never knew because they had gotten gotten so much. I don't know. Ever since that that interception changed everything. Yes. That right there, it just seemed like even though they only had it for a little bit after that, that the the game just seemed different from that point. It, the, the Steelers' defense. I'd love to see. I'd love to go back and look at this. It seemed like in the second half, especially they won on first down a lot, and they were giving negative plays on first down. Whether it was think about. The, the reverse to Brandon Cooks that T.J. Watt blows up in the backfield. The T.J. Watt sack. I keep on saying T.J. Watt's name. He had a great game. Played a great game. I thought he was still being held a ridiculous amount, but we're not going to talk about the non-flags that could have been called in this game. So I want to bring up a comment here. Our a contributor of ours, Jeffrey Benedict, who has his own show on Wednesday night with one Michael Beck. I'll put this comment on the screen. He says, Randy Lane went two for two on fourth downs. Don't want to hear bad talking about Randy Feetner this week. He actually went for it. <laughs> oh, I can still talk bad about Randy Feetner, Jeffrey, because the decision to go for it, A, is probably not his. B, he just dialed up the correct play. I still don't like how this offense, especially in the second quarter, goes through these lulls where they absolutely look like they have never played the game together before. And then all of a sudden it goes, it turns back into this systematic run, run, pass. Oh, I'm sorry. Dave corrected me on Twitter. Run, run, pass, punt. Run, run, pass, punt. (laughs) 
That's Kyle. That's my nephew, Kyle. He's the one who came up with that. He called it my big brosco. Put that in knee jerk last week. It's the RRPP. Okay. Run, run, pass, punt. So, yeah. So I'm, I thought that the second half play call play calling was a lot better. And the results, it, they leaned on their run a little bit more. They actually committed to running the football. They were finding some runs at work, but Brian, what was the key for you in terms of Randy land? Are you on Jeffrey Benedict's side that we should not abuse him so much this week? Or do you think that he still deserves some abuse? Blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while, boys. That's all I've got to say <laughs> on that. You know, I'm not ready to vindicate him just yet. You know, I mean, I like the fact that they, they went for it. Those were situations where you really have to go for it. Um, I'm going for it in that situation. And I'm already defending um, his decision because that's what you've got to do. I thought those were actually no brainers in that, in those situations. So, you know, I, I thought he called a much better football game this week and I'll say that, but I'm not ready to go ahead. Just like I'm not ready to jump off of somebody's bandwagon after a rough week one and week two, which I, I did with James Conner in week one. And I'm sorry, I, I've apologized for that, but you got to be careful. I, I was telling my nephew, who he's four, just turned 14, and he's he's playing fantasy football this year. And he was ready to cut guys and defenses after week one. I'm like, you can't do that. You've got to give them time to get in. So, But I'm not ready. Just after what I thought was a pretty fantastically called game by him, I'm not ready to go ahead and, and stop the presses and say, all right, he's great now. He's my boy. Because I can't because – I, I thought a run in a situation um, where they had second and long was a really bad call as well. So, I mean, you know, Randy, you did good. I'll buy you soda this week. But after that, you've got to prove to me more. So we'll take another step on our relationship next week after the Tennessee game, and we'll, we'll monitor it from there. Dave, thoughts on Randy Feedner, a.k.a. Randy Land? They moved the ball on the opening drive. It didn't seem like the same old, same old for that. It just seemed like the same old, same old the next two drives after that. Although one of them was Ben taking a deep shot, you know, two out of three passes when they were they were deep. The field position was killing them in the first half to start the game. And that's, I think, part of the reason they got down. I didn't, honestly, I didn't think it was that bad. Like I say, I don't know how much he actually calls it play-to-play -play other than just having – you know, the game plan set out and Ben's making, I mean, when did they do best when they were running the hurry up and who's calling the plays for the most part in the hurry up? Yeah. Ben Roth. So, um, so honestly, it's going to take another viewing for me to try to figure that out, but, uh, I'm not, I'm not, he's not on my losers list this week. Jefferson Hartman. Ah, no, I would no, I, I, I didn't, didn't put him on my losers list for the upcoming article. Yeah. But we'll talk about it. let's dive into some grades. Let's look at the box score and let's let's go player by player. And we'll start off with the most important player for the Steelers. In my opinion, he is the straw that stirs the Steelers drink. That's Ben Roethlisberger, number seven. Yeah, I can't stand that guy. Anyways, he's uh, <laughs> as I wear his jersey. Uh, he's tw he went 23 for 36, 237 yards, 6.6 .6 average, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was sacked two times. Matt Filer got burnt bad on one of those oh, yeah. with a 101.3 rating. I believe this is the first time maybe this season that he's gone over 100 for a rating. Guys, let's grade Big Ben after week three. We'll start with Dave this time. Go ahead, Dave. 
Um, I will tell you this: his overall rating going into this game was a one of seven. Okay, so he must have so, done. That's my yeah. mistake. Go ahead. So, but yeah, I like I said, not a big fan of the two back-to-back deep shots that weren't really close when you're in your own end zone. Um, but I, I don't. I can't say too much terrible about it. The things things were done well when they need to. It's still. The, the accuracy at times you're just not sure about, but then at times it's, wow, he made that throw. So it's, um, I think we're, we're starting to see a little bit more play to play, um, Ben Roethlisberger consistency. So I, I thought he did fantastic. I, I guess I'd give him an A, A minus. All right. Okay. Brian, what about you? I'm giving him a B. I, uh, I thought some of his balls were were behind some receivers in some spots, but I thought he had a really good game. And, and there's nothing wrong with a B in this situation. Of course, when Ben talks, Ben's going to give himself a uh, a C minus probably as well because that's uh, that's the aw shucks Ben that we're uh, growing to know in uh, 2020. But you know, I I really liked his performance. I think he's getting better week to week. But I was thinking about something that we talked about the other day. When does Ben shake the rust off? And my answer was pretty much around the start of the fourth quarter. And I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm thinking around the fourth quarter. I'm like, yeah, I think the rust is off. I think we've got Ben now. Preseason's over, fans. So when I think about Ben Roethlisberger, I'm giving him an A because I asked myself, what did he do that was wrong? He didn't turn the ball over. Um, I thought he played. We obviously played well enough to win through two touchdowns. They didn't require him to throw for 400 yards, especially in the second half when they were running the ball effectively. I guess my question is, you know, outside of the the errant throws deep, which you could definitely tell, I would rather him overthrow on the deep balls than underthrow, obviously. But I thought he played a great football game. And then like something that Dave said a couple weeks ago, it might have been last week, where he said, if this is what we're going to be getting from Ben Roethlisberger, meaning this is the new Ben, then he's completely fine with it. And I agree 100%. If this is the type of play that the Steeler fans should come to get used to with Ben Roethlisberger, why wouldn't you be happy with that? Why wouldn't you be ecstatic with the fact that he's not turning the ball over? He seems like he's making good decisions. He's managing the game beautifully. He's not doing anything to hurt the team. And this is something he said in his press conference on Wednesday, which was sometimes with this defense, a punt is not a bad thing. I I like the way that his game is progressing, you know, and in his, his passing has, has taken every single game, in my opinion. I thought he threw the ball well well today, had more zip on the ball than he did last week against Denver. I give him a solid A. The only thing that would get him an A-plus is, I don't know, he connected on a couple of those deep balls maybe, but I thought he played a great game. I thought he played a great game. I wouldn't be upset with that at all. Let's talk about quickly offensive line. We we typically breeze over the offensive line and go over to skill position. Um, Grade the offensive line and any player that did or did not stand out to you. Brian, we'll start with you. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead here, and I'm going to say it right now. My game ball goes to stop the presses. Chooks a core for. <laughs> I knew oh that was my coming. Gosh. He's I knew it was like, coming too. He's eating crow like crazy today. Chukawuma, I love you, baby. Great game. Here's the thing, man. JJ Watt was not even in the backfield as far as he did not really come close to Ben Roethlisberger. 
Now, Watkins did, and that was Filer's guy. So if I'm answering this question, I thought Filer was suspect once again. I uh, there was there was a sack that I think the uh, the broadcast team attributed to uh, Villanueva, and I didn't think it was Villanueva. I thought it was more Filer, and I believe that was the Watkins sack. But the offensive line did really well. But knowing that you have Chukawuma number seventy six on JJ Watt and he's holding him at bay, that's where you get my game ball. So congratulations. Uh, you've made the bad club. How about you, Dave? You're an offensive lineman. You know the game and that area very well. How would you grade the Steelers' O-line? It's hard to give them all the same grade. You know, it's okay I, if you get them a, a good grade. No, I'm no, I'm just saying to give all of them the same grade. Well, okay, I so part of them did well and part of them did not. Well, you know? we obviously so know we'll Brian was if Brian was high on Chooks, I'm assuming yeah. you would be too. Who were yes. you not, who were you not high on in this game? I was not high on on Filer. You know, he gave up that one bad sack. The other sack, what happened was the player, you know, basically stunned around and Filer blocked his guy into Pouncey. And then Pounce, so the guy Kent Pouncey was engaged with was able to come around and go get the sack because they basically, you know, ran the stunt. Um, I don't know if it was the design stunt or just the way that it, it ran out. And that and he got a free break in there on Ben as well. Um, yeah, just I didn't focus on much as much during the game like I did last week when I was checking the right side of the line because it was such a big deal. But everything that I saw was Chooks, Chooks did great. I loved I didn't watch DeCastro a lot of the plays, except on the plays where he was pulling and seeing him getting out there in front. That was really nice to see again. And um, look at it. They got another 100-yard rusher again. The only team in the NFL that's done it in every game had a 100-yard rusher. So there, there's plenty of room for improvement from some places and some people. But overall, I'll, I'll say I'll say I'll give the offensive line. I'll give them a B- minus because I did like what I saw more with the, with the, with the rush block, run blocking. Yeah, I thought I was going to give him a B, a B plus. I loved how, you know, even Filer for maybe how he didn't have the best game in pass blocking. He was one of the guys that was out there leading the way for Connor. And this game, running the game, running the ball, we'll get to running backs in a second, was not like the previous two where they rushed for over 100 and everyone's like, oh, yeah, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, they rushed for 100, but 40 plus of that came on Connor's one carry. Oh, Benny Snell rushed for 100 in week one, but 30 some of those mm -hmm. came. This was not one of those games. They ran the ball well, I thought, the whole game. They were always getting positive yardage. That's a credit to the offensive line. They're starting to get comfortable with some of those motions. You could see those Matt Canada motions prior to the snap freezing that edge rusher. It's working. It's going to take some time. I say a B plus for the offensive line. The only thing that kept him off an A was the fact they gave up two sacks and looked a little bit questionable in some certain situations. But let's talk about this running game in maybe the running back by committee that is slowly developing. James Conner rushes 18 times for 109 yards, averaging 6.1 a clip and a touchdown with a long of 25. Good day for James Conner. Anthony McFarland, Antmac. He gets six carries for 42 yards. That's easy math for a seven-yard average, a long of 20 early in the game. Benny Snell, seven carries, 11 yards with a stinker of 1.6, four-yard long. Guys, I want to know you're grading the, run, the running backs, but also I want to know your grading in terms of or your thoughts on if this is going to turn into a running back by committee or how they're going to use utilize these three main backs moving forward. Brian, we'll start with you. 
So I just uh, I just trounced this guy, uh, Matt Filer. Matt Filer had some good run blocking stunts. He actually had that when he was pulling on the one long Connor r- run in the first half. I thought it was really good. I thought the run blocking was fantastic for these guys. McFarland, I I kind of predicted that that he was going to get more of a role this week. And one of the reasons that uh, he was featured a whole lot more is because Benny Snow did fumble twice in the first two weeks. It's nice to see that they just didn't drop him like a bad habit. So they gave Benny Snell some opportunities as well. You know, Benny Snell Jr., you know, he did not have a good average. We've seen him do well before, but he needs to remain confident. He could be valuable for this team as well. James Conner is the bell cow. There's no snow cow. There's no ant mac cow. There, it is James Conner. However, they're going to realize that they need to give him a break, and that's what they did today. And they threw that out there. They saw that this change of pace with uh, Anthony McFarland and the change of pace with Benny Snow Jr. could benefit and make James Conner stronger towards the end of the game, and that's what they did. So I think this is going to get closer. The division of the labor is going to change a little bit. It's going to get closer to a running back by committee. It's not going to be true just yet. You're still going to see so much more of James Conner, but those guys are going to get their carries too, and it's not going to affect Conner. It's going to make him better. Dave, what are your thoughts on the running backs? Remember, Benny Snell got one more carry than Anthony McFarland did. Yep. Now, I don't know that that's going to be the case going forward. It could specifically be that there was something that they saw with the Texans' defense that they thought with the speed of McFarland and, you know, maybe some outside runs or just the runs that he had in general off tackle or what, or, or however it was that they, that they did that – that's why they they actually used him. I didn't know if they were even going to have him active this game because I mean he didn't even get a snap last week. So the fact that he got in there and got a couple carries, I thought was great. And then he did well with what he had. I still don't think it was wise to have you know to have him in there on that one third down. Um, that's not really what they were what they're built to do. Um, use the guys the way that they're that they're to their strengths, but it's going to be the James Conner show, but I like that they're going to spell him. So let me go back and, and add it up here real quick. So with Conner with the 18 rushes, how many total rushes did they end up having? Let's not count the kneel downs because Ben had four of them. Um, so technically with Ben having one rush that, so they had 34 yeah. and, and Conner had 18 of them. So he got just over 50% of the rushes counting Deontay Johnson, counting Ben Roblesberger, not the kneel downs though. Yeah. And, and I, I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that, that I, I think he's going to get the majority, but all in all, I thought they did a great job. Yeah. And I'll say 7.99 of Aussie dollars for Matty <laughs> Peveril. Um, he's one of our blokes from down under. Mm-hmm. He gives, he says also the split between the pass and the run was more even uh, on the last drive, more even in general. My gosh. I mean, you just said yeah. the number, Dave. They threw the ball. Um, 32 attempts. 30. Tw- yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. It was 36 attempts, right? Yes. 36 and, attempts to 32. And, and he dropped back. And well, think about it. He, he dropped back to pass and ran for one. And then he got sacked twice. So technically, they'll they'll call that 30. They'll call it 38. 
pass plays. Is what it's pretty darn balanced, though. That's yeah. pretty darn balanced. I like <laughs> I'll, that. I'll, I'll yes, that. I like that a lot. And so for me, I look at this uh, running back by committee and say, you want to talk about confidence booster? Fourth quarter game on the line, who was the running back that was getting the carries? They put Benny Snell in there. I mean, if, if Mike Tomlin does not have confidence in you, he is not putting you in that position, period, at all. He is a coach. He will, he'll tell you this a million times. He coaches on confidence. And if he, if he doesn't trust you to make the plays, he's not putting you in there. So I guarantee you, if he were being honest, he would say he put Benny Snell in there because he knew the importance of the situation. He knew how it would impact his confidence moving forward. He can't have him carrying the football thinking he's going to fumble. And so I give the running backs, I'll give them a, a solid B plus. I thought that Jalen Samuels, I'm not, I just don't know what they're doing with him. To be honest with you, if Anthony McFarland can bring you a little bit of a spark, then why, why even have Jalen Samuels, unless he's a special teams. I've never seen him that much on special teams. So I don't, I don't really see him in that situation, but Anthony McFarland provides a spark. I don't think Jalen Samuels ever is a spark, you know? So um, it'll be interesting to see how they play that out. To say something quick about that. Yeah, go. You put Anthony McFarlane out, you throw him the ball, and he drops it. That's not something you're going to see from Jalen Samuels as much. No, but you're so, also not going to see Jalen Samuels with a glimmer of daylight break free for a 20-yard run. That's so, true. When you bring in Jalen Samuels is when you bring in a running back, making them think it's going to be a that you might run and you're going to put them out wide. So. Well, let me ask you this, Dave. You're the numbers guy. Do you think they're going to address four running backs for the rest of the season? Uh, barring which, injury? With 58 – or sorry, with 48 active players – they they did five sometime last year. They had one, which is five if you're including the fullback this year. So it's not out of the question. Um, uh, yeah, I think they will. Okay. All right. Let's continue with the offense as we move down to the receiving core. This was a, a fun one to look at. Seven different receivers, I believe, I counted correctly, had a reception in this contest. Juju Smith Schuster leads the, the team with four catches for 43 yards, 10.8 average. One touchdown and a long of 26, five targets. James Conner, four reception for 40 yards. I really wish he would have caught that one on the sideline. He was targeted five times, but that was that was a ball was thrown hard. It's a tough catch. Eric Ebron with four catches, 38 yeah. yards. He hits pay dirt for the first time five, as a stealer. Five catches, 52. Who? Ebron. Oh, I have four for 38 on the ESPN box score. Oh, I'm on Yahoo. They have him five okay. for 52. Maybe you're right. James Washington, five catches for 36. Mm-hmm. Vance McDonald, three for 35. Claypool, one for 24. And then Ant McFarland, one for seven. So, guys, receiving core, uh, and that includes tight ends. What were your thoughts, Brian? We'll start with you. I'm pretty happy with the receivers. Yeah, there's some drops, and you've got some young players in here, but they stepped up when they needed to step up. The division of labor was there. Ben has weapons all over the field, and you're going to – you're going to get your throat slit when you're doubling one guy because the other one's going to get you. This is the kind of team, though, this is the kind of uh, receiving core that could handle the fact that the leading receiver in a win has 48 yards. We did not have that two years ago. Juju Smith-Schuster is fine with his touchdown and his 48 yards. That works for him because the other guys are scoring too. You, uh, gosh, you almost saw Chase Claypool score. That was an almost another touchdown pass for Ben Roethlisberger. You almost, uh, he's, uh, you would have seen more from Deontay Johnson. And this is what makes these guys special right now. Deontay Johnson goes out with a concussion in the first half, and you don't worry about it in that game 
because you know what James Washington's going to do. You know what Ebron and Vance McDonald are going to do for you. McDonald is still a very big part of this offense, too. So you know that James Conner is going to catch the balls backfield, and you, and you trust in the rookie, and you trust in the veteran. And it's really weird to call him the veteran, but you trust in Juju. So Ben Roethlisberger is going to find these guys. This is becoming the strength of your team, but they're also helping out the running game as well. It's becoming a balanced offense. As we get down the road uh, a few more weeks, that offense is going to actually get a whole lot stronger as well. Yeah. Dave, thoughts on the receiving core? Yeah, like Brian said, I, I kind of like the whole notion that, oh, you're not having a 100-yard receiver? Big whoop, because you're having so many receivers contribute. And like you said, no catches for Deontay Johnson because he got injured so early, and he got injured on the other the only other play that he got credit for, which was that end around, which, what do you think of Ben Roethlisberger's block on that one? Just dive at his legs. Yeah. Dive at his legs, yeah. Exactly, but I like that he was out there and willing to – to go for it. Oh, yeah. But that was just one of those freak plays where Johnson was, you know, caught from behind, which kind of made him stumble forward and into the guy with his head. Um, so hopefully he'll be all right there. But it 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 didn't matter. The rest of the guy stepped up. There were some drops, um, but they weren't great, you know, perfectly thrown balls either. Like the one to James Washington was somewhat behind him, but he still should come down with it. You, catch you know, that's 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 the thing. So all in all, I'm happy with the way the receivers are, are, are going, and it doesn't have to be one guy just completely busted loose. Oh, let me ask you guys a question. I'm going to give the receiving core a B because of the drops. It's pretty standard. Um, do you think there's any correlation with the fact that the Steelers offense started to kind of move the ball a little bit more uh, when Chase Claypool played a little bit more and, you know, he was, he was on the field more in the second half. I feel like him, just his presence of being that deep threat changes the way the, uh, the defense has to play the Steelers offense. Dave, you think there's any validity to that? Yeah. I mean, w- when you got that threat, that when you have that player that makes you have to look and do something different on defense, that's even if he's not the one being targeted, that's a good thing. And remember, he he drew that big um, pass interference on fourth down, which uh, what's your thoughts of – that was very Todd Haley-like, going deep on a on a fourth and one or something, don't you think? I, well, they were selling out to stop the – they were selling out to stop the run. I thought it was a yeah. great call. Yeah. I, I, he got flushed out of the pocket. It looked like if he would have led Claypool, meaning mm-hmm. instead of throwing it behind mm-hmm. him, he might have gone for a big play. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know. I, I just no, think I'm they, talking about on the deep one. When yeah, it was they drew the pass oh, interference. I thought yeah. you're, no, you're, I, I was thinking you're talking about the Juju one. Sorry, never mind. No. Yeah. So, Brian, what about you? You think there's a correlation between Claypool playing more and the offense kind of getting started? Absolutely. This guy, this guy is going to be Ben's number one receiver the way Plexico Burris was his rookie year. Uh, you still had Heinz Ward, and Heinz Ward was so valuable to Ben as rookie year as well. But he trusted Plexico so much. He loves that big guy. He's got it back all these years later. And you really think that this is going to change the minds of defensive coordinators when they see number 11 coming out there. They're going to get scared, and they've got to play a different kind of game. It's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds and how they handle the receiving core because – we always said this, Dave put it best. He said, if you can, if you have one injury with the receivers, you're fine. Two injuries. Now you're in trouble. So Deontay Johnson goes out, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool and James Washington were your, were your top three. And they did fine. 
Washington had more looks than he normally would have had. Claypool the same. They even threw out Ray Ray McLeod, and we'll talk about him as special teams here uh, in a little bit. Speaking of which, if you're on YouTube, stick with us. We're not going anywhere. If you're listening in audio platform, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Make sure you check out part two of the post game show. We talk about defense, winners and losers, and more. We'll see you. Be right back. 